Hello everyone, this is Joel Stephen and I'm here today with a special guest, Abigail, my mom. Hello everyone. So yesterday we had the first two quarter-final matches of the 2018 FIFA World Cup and boy were they exciting. A lot of riveting action in each game and let's get straight into it. So France started things off against Uruguay and if you don't know already France came away with a 2-0 win. I don't think there's much surprise there. I think a lot of people had France to win this game, Mom. Yeah. Uruguay, however, they aren't pushovers. They have they are one of the best defensive teams in this World Cup so far. So let's talk about exactly what happened. So in the first half Uruguay were definitely the better team. They started off very well using the wings, Bendakur and Christian Rodriguez, getting as far wide as possible and crossing the ball into Suarez and Christian Suani, who came in for Edison Cavani, who was still injured. He didn't play in this game. And France looked disorganised at the back. They weren't as composed as they were throughout the tournament and it was a little worrisome, I must say, but France clawed their way out of this one and it all started in the 37 minute when Christian Tolisso was fouled and they got a free kick. Browns got a free kick and Antoine Griezmann took it. He whipped the ball in and Raphael Varane headed the ball into the back of the net. And France went up 1-0. If we talk about a little more about Antoine Griezmann, he hasn't been a dominant, imposing figure, but he's he showed up in little pockets at times throughout this tournament, and he's got some key vital goals, most of them being penalties. But he was really good in this match today, would you say, Mom? Yeah, I think... For some reason, he's been very quiet throughout the World Cup up until that last match. And he really showed his quality. He's a very skillful player. And he has a lot of supporting cast members that we cannot leave out again. Kylian Mbappé. He wasn't the world beater that he was against Argentina. But he was still very threatening. He was having a great battle with Luxalt left back for Uruguay in that last game and they, they, they're two very quick players like Sultan and Mbappe and they were challenging each other at very various moments throughout the match and I think it's the pace of Mbappe that was really frightening again to this Uruguay defence but Brands went into this game 1-0 went into the half time 1-0 sorry and they were starting to play better from there. They they were they were a lot better. They had more possession of the ball. Not they're still struggling to break down Uruguay's defense because they are very stubborn defense and the best defensive team still. And they went into the tunnel one nil. So there's one player that really deserves a lot of credit in the second half. I must say, and that's Paul Pogba. He's been given a lot of criticism 
over the past of the season with his performances with Club Manchester United and sometimes he hasn't been as imposing with the French team but over these last couple of games Paul Pogba has really shown his class and his quality. Yes, I agree. His leadership has really shined through in these last couple of games and his skill level. You can see a really, really powerful player emerging. And if we think Paul Pogba was good before, I think he's going to be great. Yeah. The difference, see, the difference between Manchester United and this France team here is that France has N'Golo Kante. N'Golo Kante is the midfield enforcer for France. And usually what happens is they would have Matuidi play alongside Kante and they would be mopping up everything in the midfield. But because Matuidi was injured, no, he wasn't injured, he was suspended, Tuliso came in and had to fill in that role. And Tuliso did a very good job. He was very enforcing and he came back and marked his man very good. And that was enabling Paul Pogba to get space in that midfield, hold up the ball, let France get numbers forward. And he's a really driving player. He dribbles a lot when he gets that ball. And he has, he has some quickness on him. And he runs forward and distributes that ball well. And that will get us to the second goal, which came from a counter-attack leading through Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba running through the midfield again with his really driving force. He passes the ball to Tuliso. Tuliso lays it off for Griezmann. And Griezmann, from about 20 yards out, has a very powerful shot. The keeper, I don't know what he was trying to do. He palms the ball away and it bounces in front of him and bounces into his own net. A real goalkeeper blunder there from the Uruguayan keeper. Yeah, that's what you, what you do when the shot is too hot. You have to let it go. And unfortunate for him and Uruguay, it went into the net. Yes, it, it was really quite embarrassing from the keeper there. And Uruguay just didn't have enough in them. They weren't threatening going forward. They never really looked clinical enough. They, never, they didn't get enough shots on target. They were not finding the space. Um, Titi and Varane for France were very solid at the back. The wing-backs, um, the left-back and right-back for France, Benjamin Pavard and Lucas Hernandez, they, they were getting caught out a bit in attack, but Uruguay weren't using it to their advantage. And N'Golo Kante being the enforcer that he is in midfield, it wasn't helping. Uruguay at all. Suarez didn't look his usual self with Cavani not being there. Duani had no Suani had no influence in this game. The Uruguayan midfield looked lost for many parts of this game and France really dominated that second half and they deserved to go through. Do you think so, Mom? Well, yes, in my biased opinion. But I looked at the Uruguayan team and something really was missing there in that last game against France. 
if it's Cavani or if it's just courage, I don't know. But something was missing, and because of that, France capitalized. That is so, so true. Man of the match for me would be Antoine Griezmann. He got the assist of the Varane header in the first half, and then he scored that scorcher of a shot in the second half. And he was really a lot, he was very, he showed it, He showed his quality in this game, his dominance. He was popping up all over the field, and he, he played really well. So kudos to Paul Pogba, he also played well. I'm very excited to see France in the semi-finals. Yes, I think France has improved considerably from their beginning matches in the knockout round to now. So I think best is yet to come. We're going to see some very exciting football coming up. That was France beating Uruguay 2-0. And then we had, which was in my opinion, the match tournament so far. A lot of people would say Belgium, Japan is probably matching the tournament. Spain versus Portugal, the three-all draw could have been matching the tournament. Even France, Argentina with their 4-3 win could have been matching the tournament. For me, it was all about Belgium today. Belgium's golden generation quality prime players going up against five-time champions Brazil. Yes, um, what a thought of that kind of a match coming up, but I just had the feeling that Belgium was going to come through. Yes, I was supporting Brazil and poor me. I was really upset at how my team played and yes, we Belgium did win 2-1. But that's really break down this game. And for me, man of the match is not Kevin De Bruyne. It's not Courtois. It's not Lukaku. It's not Hazard. It's not any player on the field. Man of the match is Belgium coach Roberto Martinez. I called it in my last podcast. If you, did, if you didn't hear my last podcast, go back and listen to where I said he listened to the criticism he was getting and he put De Bruyne in a more offensive role. He kept the same formation, but what did he do? By taking out two players, he took out Dries Mertens and Yannick Carrasco, who were playing... Who very attacking players within that setup. And what did he do? He brought in the players who made the most impact in their 3-2 epic comeback against Japan. Maroon Fellini and Nessa Chadley. Now a lot of people may see Fellini, Chadley. What are they going to provide that's any better than Mertens and Carrasco? Fellini is a lot more defensive. So where... De Bruyne was playing in a defensive role where he wasn't as influential. Fellini was there being that rock in midfield. Yeah, 
it's uh, it's really always nice to see that bunch of hair sticking up into the air. <laughs> Can't miss it. And Chadley replaced Carrasco at the left wing back position. And even though Carrasco, yes, he's not faster, but what he's what's different between What's different between Carrasco and Nesa Chadley is that Nesa Chadley is a lot more defensive. He tends to come back and defend and he takes his time to go forward. So if Brazil were to ever catch Belgium when they counterattack, Chadley would be in a good position to come back and defend. Whereas Carrasco, he'd be trying to find his way inside the net if he could. So Roberto Martinez did very well to get De Bruyne playing where Mertens was playing on that attacking front, being influential, helping out Hazard and Lukaku in a better attacking role. Where Maroon Fellini comes back and defend, Chadley comes back and defend, and Brazil had their hands full today, but yesterday didn't they, Mom? Yes, uh, Fellini is one of those guys. He reminds me of. Marcelo likes to push up in front, find himself, you know, even though he kind of just stays back. But when you look, where is this girl here? Somewhere up in front. Let's talk at the let's look at the lineups. So let's look at the Belgium complete lineup. We had Courtois and Goal, he was always gonna start. Boy did Courtois show up today. Kuto's been getting a lot of stick for his performances throughout the tournament, but he made some really quality saves in that match, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He really showed up, played like he stood up there like a rock. You must see. Better than the wall that Trump is going to build, right? <laughs> then he had the solid defensive partnership of Jan Vertonghen, Vincent Company. And Toby Alderweireld, a, a very Premier League-like defence, but it's solid. It's three very experienced defenders. Nessa Chadley, Thomas Mounier kept their places. Maroon Fellini and Axel Witzel, though I think Witzel probably could have come out from Moussa Dembele, but he, he held his own in this game today. Eden Hazard, Romelu Lukaku, and Kevin De Bruyne up front. And Belgium took this game right to Brazil from the opening moment. Brazil played their exact usual lineup. Jesus up top, Neymar, Coutinho, Willian in an attacking four. Paulinho, Fernandinho came in for the suspended Casimiro. Marcelo came back. And even though I said Marcelo would have been ripe in there, his attacking prospects... He really disappointed defensively, and I think that is where Roberto Martinez wanted to focus his attacks, and we'll get to that shortly. Thiago Silva, Miranda, Fagner, and Alisson for Brazil. Belgium started this game with heavy high-pressing tactics. They wanted to press the Brazilian midfielders, Mark Neymar hard and so on. But Brazil were breaking through it early on. Brazil had a couple of looks on goal. Neymar with a couple of shots. Jesus had a shot. 
and it really was Brazil with more shots in the onset. Yes, Brazil played like Brazil, wanting goals, hungry for goals, but... Will you walk a shoe? And I will walk you through how Belgium took the lead. There was a corner, and Nisa Chadley, who's coming in for Carrasco, is taking this corner. He whips it in. Benson Company is there. He flicks the ball behind him. It comes off the arm of Fernandinho. And it goes into the back of the net. I think that uh, Belgium really benefited from the presence of Company once again. Always seem to be where he needs to be at a critical time. Vincent Company, boy oh boy, was he happy with that. And Bel- Brazil looks stunned. I mean, even Belgium looks stunned. They were leading against Brazil. But why shouldn't they be excited? Why shouldn't they lead? Because right after, Brazil started attacking heavily. Neymar took a shot and boy Courtois came up with a brilliant save diving to his left. A co- ensuing corner. Neymar passes the ball up to Coutinho. He gets into that right position where he wants to curl that ball in. He lets fly and another world class save from the Belgium keeper Courtois. The look on Coutinho's face said it all. Coutinho, he nine times out of ten scores from that position. Courtois just made it the one time he didn't score. Yes, it was a wonderful save. Courtois showed up, stood tall. He really is, he really played at his best today, Courtois. And this is where the problem lied for Brazil. In attack, they tend to throw numbers forward. Marcelo, we know he likes to Basically, be where Neymar plays. He wants, he wants to be a striker or something, Marcelo. Jesus is forward. Neymar's forward. Coutinho's forward. Wagner's forward. Paulinho's forward. Bernardino's the only defensive player who's sitting behind. And what they're doing is they're making a very similar formation to what Belgium's default formation is. So how it's now shaping up now. Brazil is looking as if they have a back three. And what's that going to do? That's leaving spaces. What Belgium were doing all the time is they were leaving spaces in near the centre circle, the hack and a half spaces on the wings, where Marcelo is. So all they have to do is ping the ball on the wide side to De Bruyne and De Bruyne. The ball was played to Hazard, and Hazard sent it to De Bruyne. De Bruyne was running, running, and Marcelo actually ran back with some pace this time and was marking De Bruyne. He was coming back. He was kind of keeping him in check, but he wasn't really attacking De Bruyne. On De Bruyne's right, he had Thomas Mooney. So I guess that Marcelo had to decide, okay, do I tackle De Bruyne and risk him sending the ball to Mooney and the team being caught out on the left? Or do I check both of them and leave the Bruyne 
sort of to keep running in space and he chose the latter and the brain just say okay you don't want to tackle me i'll have a shot he shot cool a really wonder strike from outside the box and kevin de bruyne ripped that back at the net 2-0 belgium from a quick counter attack once again yes i think that marcel was unsure who to really go to with him alone there and the two players coming forward with purpose and we know the class of the burner that was it this is what a lot of people have been calling for get the burner in that offensive role he can be the difference maker in attack and Roberto Martinez heeded the call and the burner did not disappoint Belgium had the opening stages well under control. Yeah. But this is Brazil we're talking about. <laughs> Brazil probably had about 700 shots after that. In that first half alone. The only thing that kept Brazil, Belgium in any sort of lead was everyone was back defending. And Courtois in goal. Courtois made many saves. I think he made close to eight clear-cut saves in that match. Yes. Brazil realized how deep in the hole they were. And they really tried their best to get out of it. In the end... Yeah, let's not get this year in yet, right? So, in the first half... Even though Belgium were leading 2-0, there was always this prospect of this is Brazil. They can come back. They can score. Don't let the guard down yet. Mm-hmm. And Brazil, Brazil's problem wasn't that they, were attack, they weren't attacking or that they weren't threatening. They just weren't clinical. Everything was going through Coutinho for Brazil. He was making all the plays for them, passing the ball off, he was having shots. And it was very unfortunate and really a mystery as to how Brazil didn't score earlier. They had miraculous chances. Willian came off on the bottom, Roberto Firmino. And he had chances, he just had chances. Neymar, as we, we, we see, he went down in the penalty area, but scrupulously and the referee who was wanted the VR and Neymar called off the VR. Yes, that was surprising. But I thought that they knew exactly what happened on that occasion. That it was not a foul and Neymar would have been yellow carded if again. Yes, because he was on if he had got my yellow card he would have been suspended for the next game had they made it. Yeah. But the real problem with Neymar is why is he doing this? He's, I think he's slightly ruining, ruining his reputation. I mean, throughout this tournament, there's been talk of is Neymar exaggerating his fouls? And when we saw this clear dive and the attempt to cover it up to not get a yellow card, it looks bad, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks bad on his, his part. But 
I it is it is difficult to understand when what the image position at and I was saying that no one can really um, tell you how much pain you're in if you get a, a foul. But in the, this occasion and maybe others, because where there's one there's many, it was not a foul. And the exaggeration, the dive was blatant. So we have to really, really think about Nima's theatrics. Yes. But there was a chance Gabriel Jesus was on the right hand side. He nutmegs Jan Vertonghen and is running in. He sees company coming towards him. Company is going to take that ball away from him. So Jesus passes the ball off. And company gets nowhere near the ball and takes him out in the penalty area. Yes, but I can't see the point of view of the referee. If one of the, of the players on a team is cheating, then who is to say the others aren't? Good. That's why they went to VAR. The video assistant referees looked at it. And here's what I think. I think that if the VAR assistant referees are taking so long with it, I think you should go and check for yourself as well. He has the power to go and check. The game was already ticking away. He should have just gone in the touchline and checked it on the little computer that they have. And he would have seen Claire's day, it's a penalty. But at the end of it, they didn't give the penalty. Even the FIFA match commissioner, Joe Machnik, who was the commentator, also a commentator for that game on Fox, confirmed that it was a penalty and how they didn't give a penalty is blows my mind well human error on the part of the referee and the silly VAR which is supposed to cover for the human error but anyway Coutinho eventually made a breakthrough later on I think in the 78th minute when he sent the ball over the top into the box for chipping it in and Renato Augusto with the header got a goal back. 2-1. Game still could be won. And I'm telling you, from that 78th minute to the 95th minute that they had extra time for, there were probably about 40 Brazilian shots. Yeah, they bombarded that goal. But Courtois stood firm. He saved the absolute screamer from Neymar. Didn't, he did he held on. He didn't drop the scorcher. And in the NAD, Belgium's golden generation. Shone through. Shone through. And they beat heavy favourites to win this World Cup, especially after the disappointing 2014 performance. Belgium beat Brazil. Two goals to one. Matter the match for you, Mom? Lukaku. Why would you say that, Mom? He's been a presence in the middle, and in my opinion, is very underrated. That guy is huge. 6'3". You can imagine. I, I... Well. Lukaku. <laughs> for me, Matter the match, Kurtois. I don't think 
that Belgium would be two nil would be would have won that game if it wasn't for Courtois. I agree. I think the score probably would have been sixteen two had it not been for him. Belgium really under heavy pressure and even the light little counter attacks that they had in the second half weren't anything to talk about because it was all Brazil. Brazil probably had about 90, 90% possession. They had a lot of chances. Neymar, a lot of shots on goal. Jesus had, a, I don't think Jesus had as much shots. Firmino had a couple of shots. Coutinho had a couple of shots. But in the end of the day, 2-1 Belgium. And they go to the next round to face... Are you going to be facing, Mom? France. France. That is a semi-final that could probably be a final for this World Cup. Yeah. Now, we say that this match was one of the best. Oh, but I think the best is yet to come. Yes, I think that France versus Belgium would be a... Uh, 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 snacks and drink, <laughs> bake some pizza, chicken wings kind of game that you need to get the whole family and drink for. This is a match for the ages and it's only the semi-final. Yeah. We can only hope that the final will be as good and anticipatory as that. Yes, and... Right now, currently, as we're recording, England are playing Sweden, and it is currently nil-nil in the 30th minute. I am predicting a England win, even though I hope Sweden does win. What do you think, Mom? Yeah, I'm thinking an England win. I would have liked a, 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 country, a, a clash with Sweden, but I don't think that's going to happen today. And for the Russia-Croatia match, Mom, any predictions? And England has just scored. Literally, after I say England's going to win, England have just scored. Wow, they, they just scored from a header, Mom. It's a peace corner. That's, that's, that's very disappointing. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm, we're going to go over there and we're going to be watching that game. And we'll keep you posted in our next podcast. I'm going for a Croatia win over Russia. Yeah, I agree. Mom probably thinks Russia's going to win, but... I do. That's the way how the cookie's been crumbling these past games. That's it from us. France beating Uruguay. Belgium beating Brazil. And England just scored. Oh, dearie me.